When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When my mom was choosing the best evening gown in the store for my sisters, suddenly Linda, my bestie's mom, came over and snatched it from her hand. None of them gave in to the other. Give me the dress. It's made for my kid. A dress of this quality should only belong to a refined beauty. And that's my daughter. After a while, Linda lost her balance and fell into a nearby clothes rack while my mom crossed her arms and smirked victoriously. But she was soon pulled down by her opponent. The two continued to fight fiercely just for a dress. Jeez, I opened my book and continued reading. Irene, my bestie, also came over to pat me on the shoulder. We looked at each other and giggled. Peekaboo! Hi everyone, I'm Taylor, 17 years old, a true nerd. I live in a family full of models, including Catherine and Maddie, my two sisters, and our supermodel mom. Catherine and Maddie were the greatest pride of mom. Even though they just started as newbie models, loved and pampered by her, they became very spoiled and mean. I often came to my bestie, Irene, to whine about it, but ironically, my mom and Linda, Irene's mom, were biggest rivals on the catwalk. Our two families had long had a feud that was hard to get rid of. Because I was the black sheep in the family, I was often bullied. Once, I needed the science book for an upcoming lesson but couldn't find it. Hearing loud music downstairs, I ran there and to my horror, I saw Maddie and Catherine wearing my book to practice walking. Give me back my book! Take them if you can, dwarf! Even though I was on my toes, they were still taller. They even threw my book back and forth to tease me. The moment I jumped up and grabbed it, Maddie snatched it back, causing the book to be torn in half. The two brainless beauties smiled awkwardly and immediately ran away. It was such a disaster. The next day, I brought the torn book to class. Irene saw that and asked what happened. It's all thanks to my sisters. Irene quietly took out a bottle of glue and meticulously helped me put the book back together. We always had each other back at school, but whenever our families faced each other, it became a different story. It was the registration day for the annual Miss Teen contest. My mom had drilled lots of knowledge and practice into my sisters for that event. She even researched last year's winner's registration number and found out that it was 100, which was also a lucky number. To get it, mom took us to the registration point at 3am. She even asked me to stand in line and get the 99 in advance so that Catherine or Maddie could get the 100. Just shortly after, Linda and Irene arrived. The tiger moms totally ignored each other until it was my family's turn to take the registration number. Unexpectedly, the organizer gave the number 100 to Linda to get back $300. Hey, I came before her, but I have the money, dumbass. <gasps> you pick! My mom wasted no time jumping into a fight with Linda. I rushed to stop them, but she started taking off her shoes to use as weapons. Thank God, Irene had quickly intervened to help me, but she got hurt by the heels. Mom, enough! After restraining her mom, Irene apologized to us and dragged her mom away. Poor Irene. As the final day of the Miss Teen contest was approaching, although I normally didn't like my sisters, seeing them practicing so hard made me want to bake them a cake to wish them luck. Irene also wanted to make a cake to celebrate Linda's upcoming birthday, so she called me over to her house when her mom was away. We had an enjoyable afternoon <laughs> baking with each other. Just before we put the cakes in the oven, suddenly my phone rang. Yes, mom? But I'm busy right now. But... Ugh, okay... What's wrong? Jeez, mom told me to get home to get the pre-ordered stage costumes for my sisters. Irene smiled and reassured me that after the cake was finished, she would send it to me. That night, when I received my cake from Irene, I immediately gave it to my sisters. Everyone was so happy and complimented me non-stop. 
Lately, my relationship with my family has been improving, and that gift would surely bring us closer. Everyone in the house was very happy until the next morning. Those screams belong to my sisters. I rushed into the room and a terrible scene was taking place in front of me. The arms and legs of my sisters were covered with rashes. Was it because of my cake? It couldn't be. I knew they were allergic to nuts, so I never used nuts in my ingredients. Could it be Irene? I ran as fast as I could to my bestie's house and saw that she and her mom were walking out. Irene, did you put something in the cake? Irene lowered her face while Linda smirked. My daughter is gonna be this year's Miss Teen. She did what she must. That's all. Now get out of the way, brat. Linda brushed me off and then got into the car, while Irene remained silent and couldn't look me in the eyes. I had no words to describe how painful it was to be betrayed by my bestie. After I told everyone the truth, my sisters desperately locked themselves in the room and didn't set one foot outside. I was so sorry for them, since there were only two days left until the contest took place. I had destroyed the dreams of my mom and my sisters. How could I ever face them again? When I was drowning in guilt, suddenly an idea popped up. I came to my mom's room and knocked gently. Mom, I have a plan. The next morning, she and I showed up at the Miss Teen contest as I was carrying the number 99. The night before, I told mom that I had decided to participate in the contest instead of my sisters. Mom even stayed up all night to help me prepare a beautiful bikini outfit, but when I held it in my hands, I suddenly got extremely shy and scared. Seeing that, mom gently took off my glasses. Taylor, don't be scared, you're beautiful. But maybe... We should stop. Hmm? I was shocked when I heard that, but she smiled and stroked my hair. Seeing Catherine and Maddie suffering from allergies, then watching you struggle to enter a competition you didn't even like, has made me realize how selfish I am. At that moment, the organizers started calling me and Irene up on stage. Mom looked towards the bright spotlight and sighed. It is our blind dreams and the bickering between Linda and me that has hurt you all. Thank you for always trying for me. Let's go home. I looked at my mother and smiled happily. Even though I was shaking, my heart had never been this fast. I took a deep breath and walked towards the stage. Mom, please watch over me. I confidently walked out with a bright smile on my lips. Both the audience and the judges thoroughly enjoyed my performance. Irene's pretty face and sexy charms excited everyone as well. Very quickly, both of us got into the final round. She and I were standing in the middle of the stage as the spotlights shone on us. And Miss Teen 2022 is... Suddenly, the lighting system broke down, leading to a fire on the main stage. Everyone quickly fled from there, but not Irene. Her leg was crushed by a ceiling piece. Her mom cried out for help, but no one came. Mom and I quickly ran over and tried to lift the piece, but it didn't work. Time to release the nerve power. After making a quick calculation, I easily raised the ceiling piece using the stage props as a lever and we managed to get Irene out from the fire safely. Irene hugged me and burst into tears. She apologized repeatedly for putting almonds in the cake I made. I forgave my bestie because I knew that deep down, she's a kind person and was hurt deeply because of what she did too. After that fire, my friendship with Irene was mended. Linda took the initiative to apologize to us and asked to stop the conflict between her and my mom and was accepted with <laughs> sincerity. For me, I have finally received what I wanted most, something that is even more beautiful than a beauty queen crown. It just can't be. My life has never been so similar to a bad Mexican soap opera. Is it a coincidence? I hopefully looked at my parents. No, Goldie. It's not a coincidence. He shared his blood with you. Oh no. I wish I was dead. Hi, my name is Goldie, and I just recently found out that my worst enemy saved my life. I have no one to blame for that accident except myself. What a stupid idea it was to ride a scooter when you have no idea how to operate it. But I lost my mind when I saw this beautiful thing of mine in the parking lot of the school, or rather, two of my beauties, a brand new scooter and my boyfriend, Duke. 
I have been dreaming of having an iron horse for years, and now Duke got me one for my birthday. I quickly jumped on it. My hands were on the rough black handles, and I almost screamed with happiness. I'll show you how to ride it. Duke promised, smiling happily, but I couldn't wait. I want to start it up. My boyfriend turned the ignition key, gripped the brake handle, and pressed the start button. The scooter's engine rumbled, and it sounded like the most beautiful music in the world to me. Duke put his arm around my waist. I'll teach you how to ride it, and we'll go for a spin. Why wait? I clutched the handle of the scooter with all my might and cranked it toward me. The iron horse took off at a speed far greater than I expected. After all, my boyfriend didn't skimp on the gift and chose the best and most powerful thing for his girlfriend. Goldie, look out! It was the last thing I heard before I flew out onto the road right under the wheels of a speeding car. That was how I ended up in a hospital bed. I was unlucky in one respect. I was not wearing any protection at all at the time of the accident, but I was lucky that the paramedics came fairly quickly. I lost a lot of blood, but my brain was intact, there were no broken bones, and I felt pretty good now. Until I found out who helped me stay alive. After the accident, I urgently needed a blood transfusion. And once again, I was lucky. A suitable donor was found within hours after the information about the accident and the request for help had spread around the school. However, my parents and Duke shared the name of the donor with a rare blood type with faces that would have been more appropriate at a funeral. Here, my boyfriend handed me some papers. I ran my eyes over them and tripped over the most hated name in the universe. Sean Glams. It sounded like a verdict. My parents confirmed it wasn't a mistake or a coincidence. My worst enemy showed up at the hospital when he found out I needed blood and became a donor. Did you see him? I turned to Duke. He nodded. Yes, we ran into each other in the hallway. And? Was he gloating? You'd be surprised, but no. Jerk Sean was acting all sorrowful. Jerk Sean. That was the nickname by which all my family and friends knew Sean Glams. My war with Sean had been going on for exactly five years, ever since I transferred to a new school. And in those five years, the guy had proven himself to be a real jerk. He didn't like me right away. I got my ass kicked by that idiot as soon as I stepped into the building. At first, my parents laughed at Glam's antics, calling them odd signs of affection. But as time went on, the longer I went to Redwood High School, the less we joked about it. Jerkshawn used to bully me using the most elaborate means possible. He was irritated by my grades, my accomplishments in drama club, the car my dad drove me to school in, the friends I met on my first date, the handsome boyfriend who treated me so well. It was like Sean was angry that I existed. My parents tried to talk to Sean himself, to his parents, to the principal, but to no avail. The straight-A student and the face of the school was untouchable. The face, I would have called him something else. Why did he do it? I still couldn't figure it out. Goldie, what surprises you? Even an idiot like that can't walk past someone else's pain. That's right. Mom smiled. I bet he realized he wasn't being fair to you. Duke and I looked at each other, thinking the same thing. Sean Glamps came to his senses? Nonsense! Anyway, I gradually recovered, and within a few weeks, I was able to return to normal life. The class greeted me with applause. Yeah, congratulations to this arrogant fool for not ending her epic ride right in heaven. I was still angry at myself for my carelessness, but there was something else that was bugging me. I had to meet Sean and talk to him. I found my greatest enemy by the fountain in the schoolyard. He was flipping through his book, and when he saw me, he tried to duck out of it. Stop right there! We never really liked each other, but this time, my tone was so firm that he didn't argue, so he stayed where he was, looking down. I looked around, making sure no one could hear us, and asked, Why did you do that? What do you want? The guy looked at me with his angry eyes. I saw the paperwork. Why did you become a blood donor? You hate me, don't you? Sean was quiet for a minute, and then he blurted out, Don't be ridiculous. Do you think our fights are more important than a human's life? 
It just so happens that we have the same rare blood type. Those were the last words I was prepared to hear from this angry, jealous guy. Too bad he didn't think my ruined nerve cells were more important than our fights. Anyway, he did help me. As you can understand from the incident, I have always been a very emotional person. I was in that moment too, as I hugged a stunned Sean and whispered in his ear, Thank you so much, I owe you one. The boy wasn't lost for long. Quickly, he broke free of my embrace and left. But I don't forget a good deed that easily. I needed to do something sincere and big for my savior, like a thank you. And I had already thought of what it would be, but I'll tell you about it a little later because the story of the accident was getting more and more detailed. I still had to see the doctor once a week. Dr. Whiteman questioned me in detail about my well-being and studied the results of my tests. I felt fine. Only occasionally I complained about headaches. Everything is within normal limits. The doctor reassured me. The headaches will pass soon. The main thing is that the sensitive young man didn't hesitate to share his rare blood. Sensitive? I frowned. The nurse told me that he was not himself when he came to the hospital. Eyes frantic, handshaking, almost crying. Is he a close friend of yours? Closer than I thought, I muttered to myself. I couldn't even believe it. Was Sean really that worried about my life? What else could explain his strange behavior on the day he came to donate blood? After the hospital, I went to Duke's garage. My boyfriend liked to spend his time there, endlessly fiddling with his iron friends, his car, and motorcycle. It doesn't make sense. He shrugged when I repeated the doctor's words. Maybe Jerk Sean was upset about having to find a new victim. We laughed, but somehow sadly. Maybe he's not such a jerk? I said thoughtfully. Yeah, and I'm a distant relative of Barack Obama. We laughed again. That would have been nice. I hugged him and nodded at my scooter, which Duke was slowly restoring. How's it going? Pretty good. Almost no damage, just a bit of a problem with the brakes, but I'll fix that. We could joke all we wanted, but the fact remained that Sean had shown himself in a very different way this time, and I probably shouldn't call him a jerk anymore. After all, I wouldn't be able to hug my boyfriend and see my parents anymore without that jerk. So here was my plan. The first thing I did was go to the reporters of our school's YouTube channel. They of course were aware of my story and were happy to help. We filmed a short video that I was planning to show to the whole school at the year-end event. As always, on the last day of school, the entire Redwood school staff gathered in a huge auditorium to congratulate and award the very best students. Of course, no one could compete with Sean Glam's accomplishments. A straight-A student who created four terrific projects this year, the best in the city and the state, Sean took the stage to loud ovations. The principal shook the guy's hand. But I'd like to name one more, Mr. Glam's most important accomplishment this year. The principal nodded. The lights in the auditorium went out, and the video we shot with the reporters appeared on the huge screen. In my mini-interview, I talked about the complicated relationship that Sean and I had. Major enemies, pure hatred with no chance of a truce. But life decided to make adjustments. Who would have thought that one day I would be able to thank Sean so sincerely, to thank him for anything at all? The video projection of me wiped away her tears and smiled but I'm so grateful to him for saving my life. Thank you, Sean. The video ended and the auditorium literally exploded with applause and enthusiastic shouts. Students and teachers chanted, thank you, Sean, while he stood in the middle of the stage, white as a ghost. His eyes wandered from one face in the crowd to the next. Then he turned to the principal as if seeking protection. And then he turned to me. I was sitting in the front row. Stop it. I read my savior's lips. Stop it! Come on, young man. The principal patted him on the shoulder encouragingly. You deserve it. Thank you, Sean. The crowd kept chanting. No! I thought Glams was going to cry. I felt uncomfortable. No! No! The cry of the best student silenced several hundred voices in an instant. We all stared at Sean, unsure of what had frightened him. I didn't save Goldie. That's not what happened. Stop it. You don't know anything. The guy stormed out and ran for the exit. He ran past me with a twisted look on his face. There was silence in the hall for a few seconds. I jumped up from my seat. 
nodded at the distraught principal and went looking for Sean. I found my savior by the same fountain where we first met after my return from the hospital. Sean was sobbing so desperately that he didn't even notice me approaching. And when he did, he took a step to the side. Go away! I can't live with this anymore! With what, Sean? I don't understand. It's my fault! The guy sobbed again. The accident happened because of me! I felt like I was hit on the head with a dust bag as if the meaning of his words was making its way to me through a dense fog. I saw your stupid boyfriend bringing the scooter into the parking lot. He went off to look for you, and it was like I had lost my mind. I stood there staring at that damn scooter for ages, and then I went over and broke the brake lever. By the time I realized what I'd done, it was too late. But the accident wasn't because of a faulty brake. It was because I wasn't watching where I was going. I wasn't even thinking about slowing down. Of course, Sean was a monster, but he has already shown remorse for what he did, and I owe him my life. Do you think I should tell Sean what really happened, or should he continue to suffer from remorse? Leave your opinion in the comments. Your support is very important to me. This was like a dream come true. That gorgeous man in front of me is Ethan. My crush since I was just 14. Back then, Ethan was my dad's business partner. So he'd often come over to our house for dinner. For years, I adored him in secret. But now, at 19, I could finally be honest about my feelings. So when I ran into him by chance in the grocery store, I felt like it was meant to be. He invited me for a drink in the cafe nearby, and we instantly hit it off. We started dating. And now, we're an official couple. There's just one thing that worries me. Ethan is recently divorced and has a 10-year-old daughter, Clarice, who he has full-time. While daydreaming, I couldn't hide away from the thought of being someone's stepmom. Oh my, I didn't want to become a mom yet. Don't worry, Clarice is a cute kid. I just know you two will get along. Clarice gave me a devious smile the moment she saw me. Another fish got hooked. Huh? Hey, that's not the right manner. Apologize, now! Ethan immediately said. Clarice let out a loud, Ugh! Then reluctantly apologized. Great! When has it ever been easy to be friends with a naughty ten-year-old girl? I understand this better than most, as I have a little sister. She's either giving me a headache or crazing at me for candy. And I could tell that Clarice was going to be no different. <sighs> One day, Ethan called me in a panic, saying he had an urgent business trip. They informed me at the very last minute. I didn't have time to find a babysitter. Can you help me take care of Clarice for a few days? What? I've only just met the girl, and now I have to mind her for a few days? I still didn't know what to say when Ethan continued. I'll make it up to you after this. And then... The next thing I knew, Clarice was at my front door. Oh gosh, somebody help me! Well, you know those girls that age, like my little sister? I kept pouring out while Mike just smiled and slightly shook his head. I have to make her like me to win over Ethan! So, lovely Mike, can you please come hang out with us? Seriously? Please? Aren't you good with the ladies? Fine. You know I can't say no to you. I took Clarice to a theme park. She frowned the moment she saw Mike. Um, who's this? I don't like strangers. I smiled and said, This is Mike. He's really cool and I don't care. Cindy? What kind of situation did you drag me into? Man, I had to ask myself that question. This wasn't what I envisioned it to be. The outing turned into a competition between them. Clarice challenged Mike to play game after game with her until she won. In the end, they played with the water guns, and I knew for sure Mike let her win. But as soon as he let go of his water gun, Clarice squirted water all over him, leaving him completely drenched. Oops. What on earth is this? That's the price for the loser. <laughs> okay, Cindy, that's enough. Have fun! And he stormed off. Oh no, what have I done to him? 
I stood there dumbfounded, staring at Clarice. Okay, so it was kind of funny, but I couldn't laugh at my poor friend. I want ice cream! Clarice grinned, then skipped away. Hmm, ice cream. A girl after my own heart. On the way home, we talked so much about her fave show, The Babysitter's Club, and how Stacy is her favorite character. Hmm, maybe the day wasn't so bad after all. A few days later, Ethan returned, and I was really excited to see him. Thank you so much for taking care of Clarice. Meanwhile, I noticed Clarice was slowly backing out, with an awkward look on her face. I thought she'd be as happy as me to see him, but it didn't seem that way. Darling, are you okay? Are you sick? I... I'm okay. I need to go to my room. After that, at dinner, the question, are you sick, was raised no less than ten times, and it made me feel sick too. I said I'm not sick, and I don't want to see a doctor. Ethan, I think Clarice is fine, so maybe stop asking her. Hearing that, Ethan seemed uncomfortable and turned away. Weird. What was wrong with them? Maybe this was just something they did. Hmm. Whatever it is, I wasn't enjoying this heavy atmosphere. The next day after lunch, Clarice was helping me clean the table while Ethan was packing to go on his next trip. She insisted on washing the dishes while I said goodbye to Ethan. We were hugging in the doorway when suddenly I heard a loud scream coming from the kitchen. Ethan and I both rushed in there and saw Clarice crying as she gripped her hand. Ethan frantically asked, What happened? while I quickly searched for a first aid kit. I was washing the dishes, but I accidentally cut my hand. Cindy, I'm sorry. I wasn't being careful. Please don't punish me. What? What was she talking about? Ethan seemed to have the same question as me. Cindy always makes me do the chores. She told me if I do them badly, I can't have dinner. Huh? Why was she saying things that weren't true? Turning pale with shock, I muttered out, No, that's not true. I, I don't want to stay here. Dad, let me go home. Clarice interrupted me as she was crying harder. I'm so sorry, but I have to go now. I don't even know if you're lying or not. How can you say that to me? Clarice shouted. You monster! Then she ran upstairs. I stood there not knowing what to do. My brain couldn't process what just happened. Ethan looked at me and sighed. Why didn't he say anything? He didn't honestly think I was capable of doing that. Did he? I decided I needed to confront Clarice about this. So I went up to her room and calmly said, Clarice, why did you say that? You forced me to do all the chores. What? How can you lie like that? I never do such a thing. Oh, but are people going to believe you or a poor little girl? Oh, my God. There was me, thinking she was a sweet kid, when in actual fact, she was the complete opposite. I rushed outside and, shaking, I pulled my phone out. I called Mike and told him everything. Oh boy, that kid is complicated. Maybe she doesn't want you to be with her dad. But even so, what she did was weird. I think you should stay away from them. But how to? I couldn't just run away. Besides, Ethan was on his trip, again, and I was in charge of her. So I kept my distance, no more talking or having fun. But it seemed that Clarice had other ideas. I was watching TV in the living room when Clarice appeared and pulled my shirt. Cindy, I want you to play video games with me. The more silent I was, the harder she pulled. No, Clarice, I'm not in the mood. I shouted, go play by yourself. Then I walked off. A few minutes later, Cass, a senior student, came over to give me some documents. We sat down and had some iced tea. Then suddenly, bam, and a cry. Oh no. Cass and I rushed to the noise. Clarice had fallen down the stairs in the basement and was surrounded by the laundry basket and dirty clothes. Cass quickly ran down there and helped her up. Are you okay? 
What happened? Cindy told me to do the laundry in time. The basket was so full, so I slipped. No, no, no! I screamed inside my head when Cass gave me a concerned look. Cass, please, I'll explain later. Can you please leave? Why? I screamed at Clarice's face the moment Cass left. If you don't play with me, you'll be a child abuser. You'll have to go to jail. Ugh, this is driving me crazy. Just a few days ago, she wanted her dad to take her away from here, and now she's blackmailing me for not playing with her? Right at that moment, Ethan called. Hi, Cindy. I just want to check on you two. Is Clarice sick or anything? Ugh, what on earth is this? Am I crazy? Or are these two actually weird? OMG. I need Mike. Now. Please, take me away from here. I said as I opened the door for Mike. Stop! Clarice shouted. You two can't go anywhere. Oh, now you're telling me what not to do? If you go, I'll tell the whole world how badly you've been treating me. You'll both go to jail. So that's your scam? Her smirk disappeared. She turned pale and stuttered. N no, it, it was my dad's. Your dad's scam? Clarice looked flustered as she realized what she had just blurted out. Then she quickly covered it up. Nothing! Mike sat down and looked at her with stern eyes. I stood there, waiting for the answer. I... Um... My daddy made me! Eventually, Clarice confessed. Turns out, Ethan was a professional scammer who scams young, wealthy girls into giving him money. Worse, he dragged his daughter into his scheme. The plan went like this. He used his handsome looks to flirt with the girls, then Clarice's cuteness to get the girls' empathy. After that, he would go on some last-minute business trip and ask them to take care of Clarice. Meanwhile, Clarice would pretend to be seriously sick. When Ethan arrived back, he would persuade the girls to hand over money for hospital fees, then he and Clarice would disappear out of their lives. At first he told me to do what he said and he'd get me a bike. What about the abusing lie you made up? I asked, still shocked. I made up that excuse so dad would take me away. I really like you, so I don't want his plan to work. Then why did you continue to act up? Because Cindy was mad at me, and I wanted her to play with me, so I pulled that trick again. Tears streamed down my face. Unbelievable! I voluntarily stepped into his trap right at the beginning. He didn't even have to do much. I felt like such an idiot. After that, we exposed Ethan. Clarice helped us too. Turns out, he's bankrupt, which is why his wife left him and why he's no longer my dad's business partner. Ethan was arrested, but Clarice's mom was out of the country and she refused to return for her daughter. To be honest, I love Clarice, and I didn't want her to live in the orphanage. So I let her live at my place for a while before I told my parents everything. Obviously, my parents have more capacity and power to deal with this. It took a while for Clarice to get over her guilt and settle in, but now we get on better than ever. She's a sweet, cute girl who deserves far better than her parents have given her. Then one day, I came back home from college to find Clarice placing some roses on the dining table, which was already romantically set up with candles and steak. Cindy, you're back! How can you prepare a full dinner like this? Clarice didn't say anything. She just giggled and ran to her room. Someone hugged me from behind. Would you mind being my date tonight? It was Mike. Thinking about it, I guess my perfect man was right under my nose this entire time. So, grinning, I turned around and replied, I thought you'd never ask. 
share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... Hi all, I'm Joan, and I love to chat. And that's because I didn't speak at all before. And I said my first words when I was 16. Can you imagine? I'll start my story from a doctor's appointment. I was about five years old at the time. The doctor kept looking into my mouth and frowning. After the examination, he informed my parents. The girl is perfectly healthy. She just doesn't talk because she doesn't need to. He wrote it on a piece of paper. My parents were deaf mute. They were afraid that their disability had somehow passed on to me. But it turned out that I just didn't need to use speech. The doctor added, If you want the girl to speak, you should rather send her to school. But we were poor, and my parents, because of their peculiarities, had problem with work. And our little village didn't even have a school, because for them, communicating with the outside world was not an easy task. I went shopping, I did household chores, and sometimes I helped with their work. I even fixed my dad's computer myself in the evenings after household chores. I would sit down at the computer and learn what my peers were learning at school. I also loved to read. I spent practically every evening in a chair with a book, and sometimes I even fell asleep that way. That's how I grew up, until I was 16. It was on my birthday that my father gathered us around the table. In sign language, he told us the good news. The company had promoted him and wanted us to move to town. It was the best birthday present ever. Imagine a real city with malls and other kids. I was beyond happy and hugged my parents. That same evening, I wrote to the city school I was about to attend. They replied that in order to transfer, I had to take a writing test and prove that my knowledge was appropriate for the class I was going to get in. I sat through the assignment all night. The test was not easy but I did not find it difficult either. The next morning, when I checked my mail, I got a positive response. I was accepted. I was jumping up and down on my bed. My new life was starting. That same day, we packed up the car and hit the road. I looked out the window and studied the city where we'd be living. It was not big, but for a girl who just came from a small village, it was a real metropolis, just like New York. I went to school the very next day. Standing in front of the entrance, I took a deep breath and entered this unknown world. I walked to the classroom door. Invisibly nervous, I knocked. The teacher invited me in and asked me to stand at the blackboard right in front of the students. I'd like you guys to meet Joe and Taylor. Tell us all about yourself. I looked at the kids as they prepared to listen intently. I really wanted to say something, but I couldn't open my mouth with fear. Sweat broke out on my forehead with excitement. I suddenly started waving my hands frantically, making it clear that I wasn't going to say anything. The teacher looked at me in surprise. Yeah, you're embarrassed. Well, take any seat you want. I walked past the kids and took the last seat. I didn't want to draw too much attention to myself. It was uncomfortable to be here. When the bell rang for recess, I was surrounded by my classmates. They asked a lot of questions. Why aren't you saying anything? Strange girl, say something already. Where are you from? Maybe she can't talk. Someone even pointed a finger at me, thinking it would help me talk. It was the first time that happened to me, and the students' voices seemed too loud and disgusting to me. My head ached, ready to explode. I jumped up abruptly and ran out of the room. Finally, I slammed the door loudly. I ran down the hallway to get away from all the noise, and suddenly, I saw a door with a sign on it that said, Pantry. I yanked it open. It was very dark and completely empty. Perfect. I went inside and shut the door behind me. Covering my ears with my hands, I breathed deeply and quickly until the voices of my classmates muffed in my head. I calmed down a little, but then, in the darkness, there was an abrupt, Hello. At the same time, a flashlight turned on and illuminated the girl's pale face. I pressed myself against the wall in fear. The girl continued, Are you hiding from the sunlight here as well? I shook my head negatively. I see. I can't go into the light. 
I'm from Romania, a descendant of Count Dracula. Light is destructive to me. The strange girl thought about it and asked, What are you doing here, then? Developing photographic film? I don't know why, but that silly joke made me laugh. And you're strange, she said. Just like me. Let's be friends. I'm Alan. Alan held out her hand to me, and I shook it. When we came out of the storeroom, I could get a better look at my new friend. Her skin was pale. She wore only black, and even indoors, she wore dark glasses. I was glad I'd met my friend on the first day. When I got back to class and sat down at my desk, I saw that someone had written the word FREAK on it in huge letters. Naturally, I got very upset, but that wasn't the end of my troubles. The teacher came over. He said I had to go to the principal. The principal started with a question. Miss Taylor, how do you feel about school? I indicated with my hand that I was very well, and Fake smiled. That's what I thought, he said, thoughtfully. I asked for your records, and I know about your parents. You got a high score on the test, but... He paused, after which I tensed. But if you keep being silent, I will have to expel you. Do you understand? I nodded my head, and I walked out of the office. To my surprise, Alan was waiting for me. From there, we walked together. She asked, Why aren't you talking? I took a pen and a notebook from her hands and wrote, I'm afraid I don't know how. The bell rang, and Alan went to class. I decided to go home. The first day of school was awful. At home, my parents asked how it went, and I lied to them that it was amazing. And then I locked myself in my room. I turned on the TV. The movie Titanic was on. Jack was already in the water, and Rose was lying on the door. I laid down on the bed and started repeating her monologue. She was saying, There's no way I'm giving up Jack. No way. I repeated after Rose, but though my lips were moving, I couldn't make a sound. What if I really can't talk? With that frightening thought, I fell asleep. But the next day, I had to go to school anyway. In P.E., some guy yelled out at me. Freak! I turned around, and a ball came flying at me. I was so hurt, so angry. I grabbed the ball and threw it at the idiot. Even though the bully was a decent distance away, I hit the target. The guy went down like a log jam. The coach came up to me. I thought he was going to punish me, but he just handed me a basketball and said, Now hit that hoop over there. All the classmates were watching us carefully. The ring was far away. I exhaled and took aim. Alan's voice came from the bleachers. You can do it, girl! Her voice really encouraged me. I threw the ball. It hit the wooden backboard and got in the hoop. The guy who'd hurt me shouted, It was an accident! So I took another ball and threw it at him. The bully went down again. The coach smiled and patted me on the head. Meet the new player of the women's basketball team. I smiled. The girls from the basketball team surrounded and congratulated me. I looked towards the bleachers and caught Aline's eyes, and I silently said to her, Thank you. But in spite of my success in sports, I had problems with my studies. When the teacher asked me a question or called me to the blackboard, I was as quiet as a fish. This went on for a week until I was called to the principal's office again. His verdict was this. I'm sorry, Joan, but there are simply no teachers in our school who can teach you. Tears streamed down my cheeks from resentment. Well, 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 I'm sure you'll find another one. Here is a written notice of expulsion. With a trembling hand, I grabbed a piece of paper. Give it to your parents. You can go now. The principal put on his glasses and proceeded to fill out some documents. I jumped out of the office like a bullet. I crumpled the paper with anger and resentment and threw it in the trash like it was a basketball and ran home in tears. In the evening, I lay on my bed staring at the ceiling. I wanted nothing, nothing at all. But the sound of the phone's notification pulled me out of my depressing thoughts. I opened it and saw a message from Alan. I'll see you tonight at the address. I thought, why not? I got ready and left the house. The navigator led me to a house decorated like it was Halloween. I knocked, but no one answered. I pushed the door open. There were arrows pointed on the wall with red paint. If I hadn't known that Alan, Dracula's descendant, lived here, I would have thought I was in the lair of a maniac, and I would have fled immediately. 
So, I decided to play her game. The last arrow pointed at the entrance of the basement. The light on the stairs flickered on and off. I carefully made my way down the stairs, and when I looked around, I was shocked. The basement was dimly lit by candles, and in the very center of it stood a huge coffin with a lid on it. Maybe I should have run back upstairs right away, but I'd been very curious since I was a kid. I walked closer to the coffin. I tried to open it, but I didn't have time, and the lid of the coffin fell to the floor. And a vampire jumped out! A real one, like in horror movies. It hissed and sparkled viciously red eyes. I screamed in shock, and then I staggered back and fell. The vampire was coming towards me while holding out his pale hands. Suddenly, the light in the room was on, and I recognized Alan's face. A friend put on such a realistic makeup that would be envied in Hollywood. I was so angry. Are you crazy? I almost died of fright. Alan smiled at me, and her joy made me even more angry. What are you so happy about? I almost had a heart attack. Alan answered, you have a very beautiful voice. It was only then that I realized what had happened. In a half whisper, slowly trying to taste every word, I repeated, are you sick? I almost died. I jumped up, hugged Alan, and while weeping tears of joy, I told her, you're sick, Alan, you're sick. Alan pointedly pulled away from me. I kept dancing around the vampire's coffin and was shouting different words. I learned how to talk and under such strange circumstances. Alan's parents came down to the basement. They looked just like a normal mother and father and smiled kindly at me. Come to the table and I answered them cheerfully. Alan is sick. I almost died because of her. My friend's parents looked at each other. Yes, she's a freak. We were sitting at the table that night. I couldn't stop talking. I'd kept silent for 16 years. I was very grateful to Alan for giving me the gift of speech. I went back to school and everything was fine. Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... Hi everyone, my name is Nancy, and I'd like to tell you about my beauty. Or rather, how I carefully tried to make myself ugly. Do you know that feeling when the people closest to you are so jealous that they're willing to do anything just to keep you from outshining them with your beauty? It pains me to talk about it. My mom has raised me most of my life under strict control. Who I socialize with, where I go, what I wear, and even my social media. Do you think it stressed me out? No, of course not. I thought that everyone lived like that, that it was normal. And then, when I got older and got my first friends, it was a nightmare. You can't imagine what my mother made me do. I'll remember it all my life, because it was the shame of the year. That day, it was my turn to throw a party, and I informed my mom in advance that my new friends were coming to visit us. Mom was only too happy, and at first, everything was beautiful. We went grocery shopping, mom made pizza, cut up fruit, and prepared ice cream. And when my friends came over, we sat down at the table. Before that, we also went to visit my girls and their parents. We spent about 15 minutes getting to know each other, and then we left, but not my mom. We sat down at the table and had already started eating when my mom took a chair and sat with us. I could see how uncomfortable my friends were. I asked my mom to come into the kitchen with me for a few minutes. Mom, what are you doing? Aren't you going to leave? Why? I'm in my own house. I don't have to go anywhere. So you're going to sit with us. Why? Do you mind? Or do your friends mind? Well, Mom, it's just... I'll be quiet. You guys talk. I'll be like a shadow. I promise. I was embarrassed as hell, but getting my mom out was harder than getting an A on a test you didn't study for. Mary, Anne, Kim, let's get some juice, shall we? Anne coughed a little and sat straight up. Sorry, Mrs. Baker, we appreciate your reception, 
everything is delicious and beautiful, and don't get me wrong, it's just this is a girl's party. <laughs> so funny. But I'm not a man. I'm a woman. I understand everything, so feel free to discuss the boys. It's not even about boys. Maybe we have our own secrets? God, what is this nonsense? What kind of secrets can daughters have from moms? Here I am with a little girl with no secrets at all. We talk about love and beauty. Yes, my mom and I talk about that too. I always ask her advice on how to style my hair better or put eyeshadow on my lids. Is your mom an expert? She's a beginner. She graduated from Bianca Beauty School not long ago. Have you heard of it? It's the coolest makeup school ever. Mom almost choked. It's just that my girls didn't know our family secret because I'd never told anyone about it. Mom abruptly threw the dishes on the plate and indignantly wiped her mouth with a napkin. Then she said, Beauty is not the most important thing in a girl's life. The most important thing is to have brains. Mary laughed a little, and we all looked at her. Sorry that came out loud. What made you laugh? I'm afraid you won't like my answer. Well, tell me. I'm curious. Only ugly people talk about beauty not being important. That's what my mother tells me. She and I are sensitive about it. And my mother and I also graduated from Bianca, and we didn't spare our money. This woman knows how to do beauty. Well, the result's on my face. Mom, after these words, furious, got up from the table and said, Girls, dinner is over. You can go home. Mom, no, we just started. I said, go. All right. Nancy, your mother wouldn't leave us alone anyway. We'll do your makeup some other time, at my house. The girls left, and I continued to blush, and not just with shame, but with anger. My mother and I then had a big fight. I said that for the first time, I'd managed to make friends. Some of the most beautiful girls agreed to talk with me, and my mom ruined everything. But she wouldn't admit her guilt. She only said that she was right, and that I shouldn't dare to put on makeup and beauty products. Mom was about to go to her room, and I shouted at her back. You know what they said about me? That I'm ugly, and on your background, I look even scarier. You forbid me to dress nice, do my hair, and you look like a model. Did you decide to assert yourself at my expense or what? Don't you dare say that. Apologize right now. No way. You've robbed me of my beauty and now my friends. They're not your friends. And beauty? Your beauty is dangerous for you, okay? What about it? But my mother didn't answer. She never answered that question. The next day I went to school and no longer hoped the girls would talk to me. But surprisingly, they were the first to come up to me. I started apologizing for the failed party, but they interrupted me. Look, it's okay. We understand how hard it is for you to live with a mom like that, Anne said. Yes, I've known them. They're jealous of their daughters and afraid of being overshadowed by their beauty. I've noticed that. She's beautiful, but she never let me look normal. We have a present for you. A present? For me? What is it? You'll see after school. I could barely wait until after school, and then the girls blindfolded me and brought me to... You wouldn't believe where. It was Bianca Butte Salon, our state's most powerful brand. I almost lost my mind. I didn't even know she'd opened a branch in our town. It was amazing. I was lucky because we got there right on opening day, where Bianca herself was in attendance. There was a huge line for her makeup, and the girls signed me in. I couldn't believe my luck. Finally, I was going to be a real beauty. And then my mom called me. She was supposed to pick me up after school, but I decided not to answer the phone and go home later. Anne unplugged my phone and we took a line, enjoying the free drinks. Finally, you wouldn't believe what happened when I sat down in the chair. Mrs. Bianca looked at me for a long time. She was an older woman, and she was peering at me with a little devil face. Ma'am, is something wrong? Huh? No. What are you? You're very pretty. What's your name, honey? I didn't have time to answer before there was a commotion at the entrance. Nancy, honey, you should go. I'll finish your makeup later. Mom walked into the salon. She took me by the hand with a psychotic twist and took me away from there. 
She yelled the whole way home that I turned off my phone, didn't pick up, and went to the beauty salon, where I wasn't allowed to go. We fought, and I knew it was the end. And then suddenly, I remembered a moment. How did Bianca know my name? At home, my mother took my phone away from me, then went to her room and started packing. We're leaving. Pack, she said. How? Again? No, we'd spend our whole lives chasing somewhere and always moving. I threw my stuff on the floor and told her I wasn't going anywhere, that I was sick of moving, and that my mom had too much control over my life. I don't. I don't control you too much. You don't? Then how did you find me? I've long suspected that you've been tracking my phone, deleting my correspondence requests, and generally, are you happy that I'm so unhappy? Are you really unhappy? I've devoted my whole life to you. I gave up everything for you. And what have you lost? At least your beauty stayed with you, and you took mine away from me. Beauty is a dangerous thing. What do you talk about all the time? Why is beauty and everything about it forbidden in our family? Do you think that's normal? It's okay, as long as you're with me because of it. What do you mean? Then our door suddenly opened and Bianca herself walked in. I was so shocked. How did she find me? Did she come this late to do my makeover? Mom immediately told her to get out of our house, but Bianca said to her, Daughter, calm down. I didn't come to fight. Daughter? What was she, my grandmother? Seriously? How so? She tried to talk to my mom, but my mom was crying. She was saying, Get out of my house. I knew you were looking for us. You even opened your branches just to get your name to us. Are you happy now? Only it's too late. We're going far away from here. But Bianca came closer and said, I'm tired, my daughter. I want to live in peace with you and my granddaughter. Uh, that's how you talk. You spent my whole life poisoning me. Constantly told me that I was an ugly duckling, that beauty was the main thing in life, and that no one would love me this ugly. Well, Mom, you made a doll, but I was not happier because of it. Mom, is this why you don't allow me to look beautiful? Were you afraid that I'd be unhappy? Your grandmother is a monster. She made people beautiful, but beauty is not happiness. I give people the opportunity to believe in themselves. Does this girl deserve the kind of life you're giving her? Her girls told me how you make her look. You're overreacting, don't you think? Nancy has all the natural gifts you so carefully hide from people. You've been hiding her from me. I opened so many beauty salons for her, just so my fame would reach her and I'd find you. She talked and talked, and my mother sat down on the floor and cried. At that moment, I remembered all our life how my mother despised models and always told me that beauty was a dangerous way to live that it did no good, and only because she'd had a bitter experience with it. Mom, if you've lived this life, it doesn't mean that you have to live the same way forever, you know? I'm unhappy without beauty, I don't have a boyfriend, and I'm already 16 years old. Just let me live my life, not yours. My mom still resisted for a long time, but at least we didn't move out of the town. Secretly, I communicated with my grandmother, and she taught me how to do makeup. I started putting it on and dressing the way I wanted to. At the same time, at least my mother kept quiet. That was enough? I think she needs time to get used to the fact that even though I'm a teenager, I'm still a person and I have my own life and plans for both my appearance and my future. The next time when the girls came to see me, she left and we invited Bianca. She and my mother weren't yet in touch, but my legal meetings with my grandmother were an achievement. Now I'm starting to live a different life. A new one. Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by...
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.